Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? Doing great. Another boring Thursday. <laughs> Another boring Thursday. It is, of course, NBA trade Cheers. deadline there. David, they've been doing a little tongue-in-cheek. But thus far, it has been pretty much a snooze fest. We will, David's going to be writing up something later for those of you that are subscribed to True Hoop. You'll get a chance to read uh, his expert insight and analysis on, you know, what these trades mean from a basketball standpoint for, for teams that make them. If anything big happens while we record, we will talk about it and, and briefly, but I don't anticipate anything earth shattering or needle moving happening within the next 60 minutes, but you know, who knows? It's crazy of you to say never, but doesn't seem likely. Um, David, it was an interesting article um, in The Athletic today by a friend of the show, Seth Partnow, um, and it was basically about player development and when is the right time to give up on a player in terms of will they ever become a shooter? And, you know, Seth obviously is someone who is steeped in the data, extremely well-researched. Um, and, you know, that's one of the, that's the, one of the biggest things, right? Like uh, a player's ability to shoot is so critical in this NBA that if they can't do that, they better be elite and world-class and like the best in the world at everything else, or else they're probably not going to make it in this league. Right. Because shooting is such a vital skill. And, um, you know, the idea is, you know, when you give up, like a 23-year-old, a 24-year-old, a 25-year-old, like what's, and as you know, as someone who does this for a living, and uh, in many cases, people call the godfather of player development, there's no, it's not linear, right? Like development doesn't take some straight line up, like there's setbacks and you move, it's like everything else in life. Um, but when is the right time? And I thought it was interesting because he pointed out two players, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and um, Malik Monk who were not good shooters early in their career, rookie year and second year, I believe. And then now we, I mean, anybody who watched the NBA now knows these are legit threats from beyond three, like not, not just good three point shooters, like elite three point shooters. Um, but they're rare. They seem to be the rarity, right? Most people, it seems like if they don't shoot well early, the likelihood of them becoming threats later does not seem likely, but I want to talk to you because this is what you do. And this is what you, how you help guys get better. It's a really uh, complex issue that Seth brought up. Uh, so the, I could go a lot of different paths. Um, in the case of Malik and KCP, they came out of college uh, where people thought these guys were going to be shooters. My guess is they were good shooters in college. I don't remember. Um, Malik, it was a Kentucky, Kentucky. guy, mm-hmm. I think, in KCP, Georgia. Is that, that right? sounds about right. Yep. Um, I remember an NBA player telling me when KCP was a rookie, that guy's going to be really good one day because he'll, he'll figure out how to shoot. Uh, they were right. Um, and so it's so compared to someone that's never been a good shooter and then they're still not good shooters. So those, those are two different things. I, I'm of the, I, I believe that players can learn how to shoot at any stage of their career. Uh, Brooke Lopez and Marcus Gasol are two guys that they weren't necessarily bad shooters. They just were non-shooters period. And, and then, you know, ultimately came much better at it over time. Uh, I think the data can only show you what the data has. So, for example, if you start out not being a good shooter, you're, and you, make, you stick in the league maybe because you play defense, you're a glue guy, connective, connector guy, and uh, finish at the rim okay and you kind of hang around, it's hard to suddenly become a shooter if they don't let you do it. Mm. If that's not what your brand is, what your role is. It's like... Uh, a character actor in Hollywood. You know, you, you think you've got leading man potential. Uh, do, you ever, do you ever watch The West Wing? Of course. So you remember the character Toby? Mm-hmm. 
I didn't used to watch The West Wing when the show Entourage was out. But there was a great scene when Ari is no longer employed by his big agent. And he meets with the guy that plays Toby. And uh, I don't remember his real name, his, his, you know, his actor name. But uh, they're, supposed to, you know, they're in a coffee shop and the guy wants to be an action hero. Mm-hmm. And Ari like, laughs about it, but he's like, he's serious. How do we know he could? There's been plenty of weird action heroes that you never expected that made it. But you're typecast. And so mm-hmm. it's the NBA is very similar. When you're branded a certain way, it's really tough to break out of that brand. Not impossible, but very, very tough. And so that's so that, that doesn't show that uh, 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 because, you know, who knows if he could have learned to shoot. No one really gave him a chance. And um, so I look at it as from a coaching perspective. One of the things I look at is, well, how how good has he been taught? How good has it, have his teachers been? How much chance how many chances has he had to be a shooter for his team or teams as they move around? Those are factors as well. I know this. Uh, I, I I certainly have failed in, in with a few guys going all the way back to like high school age where, where I just couldn't get them to shoot the way I thought I could. But I haven't failed with many. The, the best shooting coaches know what they're doing. We can at least get them up to, you know, 33 to 35%. Shot selection is a big part of it. Getting them to understand. I, I had a player this year that I just thought was taking shots that he wasn't ready to take. And this was a veteran player. And so we kind of narrowed his shooting focus and it, he got much, he's still shooting much, much better, uh, but way less off the dribble threes, way less uh, uh, shot fake side dribble threes, whatever. He's just not great at those things, but he's much better catch and shoot and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, those are those are things I think that are still in the mist. Most people don't really understand because I don't think my world, player development, is well understood at all. I really mm. don't. So most teams struggle with that. They they have people in the positions of being player development coaches. Just like you can you can make someone pretend to be a doctor on the show doesn't mean they're a doctor. <laughs> so we have a lot of that. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. <laughs> so I can, you can call me a player development specialist. That doesn't mean I've ever done anything regarding player development. Maybe I was a player and someone developed me. Doesn't mean the same thing. So th- there's a lot of murkiness out there. I do think that teams figure that figure this out better and better have huge advantages going forward. OKC brought in the guy from the San Antonio. Mm-hmm. That seems to have worked out pretty well for them. Sure uh, the Spurs were without a shooting coach. Now they have one. I've heard, I don't know who it is. I've heard good things about that person. Uh, I think this is where um, we may start seeing more and more women mm. making NBA teams. Uh, I don't think men have any monopoly on understanding how to make shots. That's for sure. Uh, I don't think we should hire a woman yet that's going to teach players how to dunk better. I, and you can do that, by the way. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't get someone to work on your jumping. Dunking is a little bit different. But shooting is something they're very much equal to men at, if not even better, mm-hmm. potentially. So uh, there's a lot of – think of all the brain power we haven't tapped into as a, as a sport mm-hmm. that we should mm-hmm. on the men's side of things. So, um, uh, But for right now, I think it's really a black box uh, that for, the, for the factors that I, that I stated. But I think teams are getting aware of the fact that we, we should be better at this. And um, – Giving guys permission to miss is huge, Gerard. You got to give them permission to miss. Figure out what they're doing wrong, um, and 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 not quit on them so fast. Uh, which Seth's kind of pointing that out to a little a little bit anyway. But I think we quit on guys too quickly, too often. Yeah, um, and just such a, a great topic. We can have a whole show just on this. Um, yeah. You know, the idea about typecast, and I think that's so important 
why do you think it's so hard for guys to break typecast in this league? Is it because coaches and GMs and whomever are too rigid and too worried about, well, I've branded you X. And if you turn out to be something other than X, that makes me look stupid. So therefore, you have to be whatever so you fit the mold. Correct. Yes, they just don't have imagination. They don't have time to have imagination. Uh, and in some cases, they feel like they don't have a job security for the imagination. And we have lots of players that uh, don't make it because of that. And then we've got some players that got lucky. And, uh, I mean, Brooke Lopez was was nearly done, you know. Uh, not, that's not, a, not just about three-point shooting. I, I remember, I've told you this before, Tyson Chandler was just rotting on Charlotte's bench. Mm-hmm. And then he won a world championship, and then he was NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. You got to give guys chances and believe in them. Um, what does is, what is, uh, Andy Dufresne say? Hope is the best of things. You have to let these guys have some hope. I really am sick to my stomach watching games sometimes where I just know that coach or that coaching staff doesn't really have hope for the player, and the player may not necessarily realize it, mm. and it's so sad. Oh, this guy, he has no shot. Yeah. He has- and, um, yeah, it's a tough situation to be in. No, that's for sure. Um, you know, and this is where someone like you obviously is so important because, you know, you're obviously you help these guys get better with their skills on the floor. Of course, that that's what you do. But you have a relationship with them and you talk to them and you are in some cases like another father to them, uh, someone they can confide in, um, which is, you know, people don't think about these things, but they're very, very vital uh, to these guys performing well um, wherever that wherever they are. And, you know, with it being trade deadline day, I know this is a difficult day for guys all around because as much as players say, I don't read whatever people say or write, like, I know that's a bunch of shit because I know you do. And if they don't read it, someone in their family or friend is saying, hey, man, I heard Woj say you might get traded to whomever the hell, what, right? It, it's just what it is, right? And in this online age that we're in, it can't help but be aware of that. And I'm sure you've been in situations and I know you, I won't, you won't portray any confidences, but on a day like today and the days leading up to a trade deadline, what's it like for you and for players you know who might be moved and you know stuff about that? How do you sort of help them navigate through that, uh, these difficult 24, 48 hours? For players that want to be traded, it's very different than ones that don't want to be traded. Um, you know, players, I think, generally speaking, have a callousness about the topic that I could never really have adopted successfully. In other words, like one reason why I didn't think I'd be, I, I get, one reason I didn't get into coaching beyond where I did was I just, I just, I don't think I could have handled the, the losing. Mm-hmm. Winning didn't make me feel so great. The losing really made me sick to my stomach. I didn't, I didn't like those feelings. That, that is not great for, for this business. You have to be able to deal with it. And so I think a lot of these players, they just kind of ignore it. And, uh, you know, if they think they're going to get traded, and we're going to get into, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about what I saw uh, last night that I was surprised that I literally celebrated. And I think some of those guys feel like they're not going to be around in, mm-hmm. you know, by tomorrow. Uh, and so, so that's not a fun situation to be in. But normally it's always the same thing. Let's focus on what we can control. I talked to a player uh, two nights ago. Yeah, two nights ago. It was the second night of a game, uh, game for them. And uh, he told me his agent had nothing for him, didn't have any clue. Uh, 50-50 gets traded today. We aren't traded now, so let's just focus on the game plan today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really you really have to look at it that way. No different than if you're dealing with any potential stressful situation. Uh, and I remember when I got my first ever cancer diagnosis in 07. I didn't think it would kill me, but we didn't know yet. We hadn't done a PET scan on my whole body to see if it had spread. 
they worried it would spread in my brain and my lungs. It did not. Obviously, this was a long time ago, but I I struggled. And that's what I hadn't been drinking for a long time. I started drinking vodka until I got my test results at, at night. It helped me. But um, I wake up every morning and I would stretch and I would just focus on let's get through today. I had kids. My kids were young. My kids were six. And that's really what we should all do in stressful situation. What can you control? Right. And that's exactly what I would say to players. What's our day look like today? And if they decide to trade us, we're going to make the best of it wherever we go. And and it sucks when you have family. It's easier when you don't. But it always sucks to some degree. Think of your routine. I've, all these players have yep. they're creatures of routine, creatures of habit. And um, you suddenly don't have it. I read, uh, you know, think about you're not just moving away from where you're living. That's really nice. You first have to go to a hotel mm-hmm. so you find a place. Well, I just was reading the Players Tribune a couple of weeks ago where Siakam went from Toronto mm-hmm. One of the most interesting cosmopolitan cities on the planet right. to Indianapolis. I've been in Indianapolis recently. Mm-hmm. No, no. Not the same. <laughs> and he, but he wrote in his Players Tribune, it was really one of the best ones I've ever, I've ever read, uh, that he, he, where he lived, he and his brother, whom he lives with or lived with anyway, wanted to go get African food. They just went outside and got African food. Well, good luck with that in Indianapolis. Right. right. right? You're not going to get that. Not even, you're not going to have any ch- choices. Right. And so that's one of many variables that these players have to deal with, which adds to the stress going into it, too, of maybe I want to get out of this situation because I'm not playing as much as I want to or whatever, but I still have to change with a huge – I've never had to transfer jobs. Other people have. Uh, and I and understand that, that we can, we, they'll get through it. It's just a pain in the ass. But you're not being evaluated mm-hmm. publicly the way these guys are right. you know, if we transfer jobs. So I just, yeah, I try to be a voice of reason. Let's, and it's the same thing no matter what. If you're in a cold shooting streak, if you're traded, if your coach gets fired, if your coach is on your ass, what can we control? Let's really lock in on that. That seems to be helpful. Yeah, no, and that's, I mean, wise words, not just for basketball players, but but for life, right? What what can we control and focus on that? Um, you mentioned a, a, a team last night that you thought, you know, maybe the players after a win that was, you know, significant for them um there wasn't a lot of joy in celebrating and maybe the losing is beating them down maybe they know they're going to be traded the pistons uh had a nice win against sacramento kings last night Jaden ivy at 37 points uh kate cunningham not playing he was injured and you feel like a team that only has seven or eight wins this season that yes we won and you did not see a lot of joy um with, with, with that it win. was really weird yeah i really i wanted to see ivy i went i went back and watched all of ivy's 37 points Boy, was he impressive. He, he's playing better. Yes, he is. This was, this was his – I didn't look to see if it's his metrically best game, advanced metrics, but I could. But it was, his, right it was his career high in scoring. Yeah, if you look at EPM, yep. it very well could have been his highest number. But um, he's been playing better. If you look at the trend line for his, his five-day moving average. Without EPM, question, by far his best single EPM. Yeah. Game. Not even close. Yeah. But you could see that trend was going up even prior uh, uh, and yet the Pistons, I mean, at one point they, they made their final shot. I don't remember if it was Ivy's or not. Someone made a shot late. The game was over. They were kicking the King's ass on the road. Okay. And I, it might've been Killian Hayes got up and like sat back down right away. Almost like he was told no celebrating. It was really, the whole thing was weird to me. I, I don't think they should have been jerks about it, but I did not see the joy that I expected to see from a team that that's barely had any road wins to begin with. And then I went right to watch uh, the Pelicans dismantling of the Clippers on the road. We'll get to that. That bench was much better. Not not in a in a showy, silly way, professional celebration way of all right, we came, we, 
kicked ass. Yeah, it was a nice win. And then Pelicans didn't play so great. But um, so this part of it is, is I mean, Buddy Heald uh, has been trying. He just got traded. He's been, been, I think, trying to play defense. He just really struggles with right. it. And, um, and so, he, but he was on an up-and-coming team that, that if you make it the sixth seed, it's a good year. Right. Now he's going to a team that almost can't help but disappoint because of the Embiid situation, unless the Sixers know something we don't know. Right. And now all of a sudden, if you can find a way, if your buddy healed, find a way to get in that rotation, which you probably will, Joel comes back healthy. Well, now it could be fun because that team has championship aspirations more than Indiana does this year mm-hmm. in a contract year. So you want to help yourself the most, play well in the postseason, in a postseason series or two. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and we'll get to the MB situation in a minute. But, yeah, that, that could be something very, very different uh, for, for Buddy going on. So, David, we did mention the trade deadline day. And, you know, it's in, in the document, I, I, I put this segment as the fallacy of the trade deadline, right? And it, it's because fans have this. I was on a podcast yesterday, the local Brooklyn Nets podcast talking to the guys and they're just so they're just so downtrodden and defeated they're like we gotta do something gotta make a move i'm like but making a move just to make a move to do what like why do you think that like does anything and what i gather from fans is change gives them some kind of hope right all right this new player comes in it means xyz is going to happen but one of my favorite things you always say is poor teams tend to play poorly average teams tend to play average right you are who you are and if you have no plan and no direct, it isn't all of a sudden on trade deadline day, we're going to magically figure it out and turn turn course and win 30 games in a row. That's No, you're going to be probably who you were before the trade deadline, right? Unless something cataclysmic happens. And that almost rarely happens. Um, and so the idea of the trade deadline is, it's just, it's this funny thing because it's, it gives you this kind of false hope, but it's not real. Nothing really is going on here. Well, and and uh, we we can't look at short term. Um, so I just read uh, uh, some of the power rankings, and it had that um, the Pacers, you know, just acquired. They just traded Buddy, just acquired Siakam, and they're like five and six in his eleven games since getting him. Tyrese has played right. in three or four of them. They've won one. They've won two together. Meanwhile, Siakam's number one in on court, off court differential on cleaning the glass in the entire NBA. Number one. He's hundreds percent out, which means that's a grand slam home run. If indeed they can re-sign him mm-hmm. for Kevin Pritchard and team Pacers, mm-hmm. you just acquired a guy that when he's on the court versus it is off number one in the league. Unbelievable. Most guys aren't even close to something like that. When you make a trade, I think James Harden after those six games and up until last night against New Orleans clearly has been a home run for the, for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. That's rare. Mm-hmm. Maybe a grand slam. That's pretty rare. Yeah. Normally, it's nothing close to that at all. Uh, Buddy Heald, maybe it's a single at best, yeah. <laughs> a walk, you know, in baseball ter- parlance. Um, I think there are teams, you know, you look at like Indiana traded Buddy. They got three seconds. I don't know yet the breakdown of right. when mm-hmm. and whose seconds they are. Right. If they're Phillies in four, five, six years, could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. If they're Phillies the next couple years, probably not as good because they're probably going to be pretty good with Joel there. And... Um, but they just got they had three first they got rid of mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry they got rid of um, yeah the late first round pick so if you're losing picks in the 20s and gaining picks in the early to mid 30s not so bad so they're, you're trying to you know fill some holes right. in a sense right uh, there's some teams that are they're trading players for picks to get under the cap mm-hmm. so their success is more financially based right. and um, and then there's no doubt there is a press conference environment that that we can't we have to factor in where 
I mean, executives are trying to keep on to keep their jobs. And so if the local writers are saying good things, your local commentators for the team that covers you, they'll they'll say good things. But the radio stations, if you if you give them and when you press conference and you make it seem like a win, mm-hmm. then they make it seem like a win. Fans won't complain as much, right. ticket sales will be good. And you can keep your job for another year or two, making millions of dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, that's really the game that you're playing, right? And it's sort of, it's kind of counterintuitive to what you ultimately want, which is how do I build a sustainable winner? And that just takes a lot of grinding and hard work, right? And you're going to swing and make some misses. And I was thinking about this, David, in terms of the, of the Grizzlies. If Morant wasn't suspended to start the season, and if they didn't have all the injuries they had to him, to Desmond Bain, et cetera, I doubt they would be in the position they are right now, which is... They have it. They had an opportunity because of all those injuries to play Gigi Jackson, Vince Williams Jr., all these guys to figure out who's good or who's not. Because if they, if those guys were healthy, none of them were seeing the floor because they'd be competing. for I mean, this team was a two seed the last the last three seasons. So almost by necessity, they had to play these guys because we have nobody else on our roster. Oh, so and so is actually pretty good. So so and so is not good. Great, we're gonna. Tr- I mean, this motivated the Adams deal, right? They got back Oladipo's expiring and some second round picks. He traded Xavier Tillman to the Boston Celtics to help the Celtics in terms of managing Horford and Porzingis' minutes. Got back second-round picks. They're just seemingly like they're using it as, well, this is a crap season for us because of all the stuff that happened. And by luck, we're going to figure out what we actually have on our roster beyond our, our top three guys. And now we know what we're doing here. But if that didn't happen, who knows? This team could actually be in worse shape. You know what I mean? Like this forced them to figure some things out. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if 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 they are all healthy. Adams and Tillman were important centers for that. What are you going to do next year at that position? Well, that's what the second round picks will help with uh, in terms of putting a package together to get someone to fill those mm-hmm. spots because their big money spots will be Jackson and Bain and Morant. Yeah. So you, you're looking for lower level guys anyway. Um, the uh, you know the, the OKC just traded for Hayward. Not really sure. Nothing you don't move around. Yeah, there was a numbers. There's a financial component to that. I'm sure. Right. I don't think it's for. I don't think it's for on court production. Probably. Um, I you know he's played 25 games or something this year. Uh, Trey Man. Uh, who do they trade besides Trey Man? I haven't seen it. I'm pulling it up right Trey now. Trey Man is someone else. <clears throat> so uh, Davis uh, Bertans rap- and Trey Man. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, those guys aren't in the rotation, and there's a there's I, I think Hayward's a, 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 a free agent after the season. Yeah. I think his contract's up. I believe so. And I think Bertans had one more year. Yep. So they're off that money for next year. So he's clearing some some space on his, his books. Mm-hmm. The Raptors got Olenek. Uh I actually like Kelly Olenek. I don't know what Utah was doing other than it's got to be a money consideration <laughs> there. Um, Olenek can shoot, and the Raptors are desperate for spacing. So um, uh, he'll be a backup to Pirtle, but maybe they trade Pirtle and feel like at least – because they have no other backup centers. Right. Uh, Chris Boucher could be traded, but he wasn't, isn't really a center. And the kid they drafted from Arizona, Coloco, is, is out with resp- – he cut him, actually, I think, because he was respiratory issue. And we – I mean, the Raptors – I mean, they're 18 and 33. Like, <laughs> right? They're not trying to win. Right, clearly no, no, not. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's, we'll see. We haven't yet seen the big deal that's going to – there's no deal that I've seen so far that's going to have any impact other than if MB comes back fully healthy, uh, Buddy is capable as a shooter. But I'm telling you, there is some concern about him being targeted because he, he was getting targeted for the Pacers. Uh, Philadelphia can mask it some better than maybe Indiana could with the way they play. But there is there's something to be followed that um, 
that he may be really attacked defensively and and have it be a problem for him in the postseason. I mean, we we saw it in that uh, that, that Phoenix game in Phoenix. Late, they just went yeah. at him every relentlessly time. Yeah. every single time. Yeah. And so only because Tyrese wasn't playing, right? Because they would have gone after Tyrese too. <laughs> <laughs> and we know in the playoffs, it's it's almost you know. It's almost primal in that way, right? Like they're hunting, just, they're that's going to happen yeah. every single time, and it's going to force a coach to make a decision. Um, yeah, so OKC that that was an interesting one, David. I know you're, you're going to write write about it. So Hayward ostensibly gives them someone with playoff experience, but I mean, who is Gordon Hayward now, right? Like, I mean, he experience as what an assistant coach is he? <laughs> you know, is he going to dress? Uh, I like Gordon Hayward. He's not been shooting great. Um, he's not been playing a lot. I just watched Charlotte the other night. You know, he was in street clothes. Um, I think it's more money than anything. They got off Bertans' money, and, and man would have been a restricted free agent, but he's just not working out there for them. Um, I like it for Charlotte. Yeah. Trey Mann, I think, could be a good player. He's not there yet, but I gotta give him a chance. We were talking about this before we yeah. shooting. Give him a chance. Let's see what he can do. Do we think Steve Clifford is the kind of coach that can sort of create? He seems like that type to me that wants to help players get better, but it's hard when you're the head coach. You know, it's. Tough to, to manage. I think, uh, yeah, it, it takes more than just a head coach. The one thing I liked about Coach Clifford when I watched him the other night is uh, I think he knows what good basketball looks like, and I think he can communicate that to his players and um, and not let them think, oh, we're just fine, because they're not just fine. They're not just <laughs> fine. And the, the, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think he's fine. Yeah. I, I, I've had people tell me, people that I respect, that he's very good. I've had people tell me that. I haven't witnessed it as much. But there's no question he can coach to some degree, at least as an average, if not above average coach. And I don't think he's the problem in Charlotte right now. Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, it's good that we're on Charlotte um, in a way. You know, we don't like to talk about bad teams. You know, one of the things you love to say is instead of swinging for the fences and doing these things and placating to keep superstars happy, you always think teams should try to figure out how do we build a consistent winner that every year we win, you know, 50 games. So. I like to say between 48 and 52, right? That's kind of your spread. In those magical good years, we're going deep. We're winning 55 plus. We can maybe go to a conference finals if we get super lucky NBA finals. But we're a solid playoff team, top whatever, four seed every single year. Why is that so challenging for teams to do? Yeah, what I, I mean, listen, this is just my philosophy. I, I don't know that anyone else should feel this way, but I, I've been saying 50 to 55. Um uh, for reasons that I've said many times before, you you if you if you're winning that games most years, you're giving your fan base something so happy to having a great season or a fun season because you're winning a lot of games and more than you're losing. You give your team hope. I was talking I was talking to a player the other day, and in early in his career, he played for a team that was always by this time of year they're pretty much out of the playoffs, and he's on a team that's now likely going to be in the playoffs, and it's so much more fun. And so it's it, it was fans. Yeah, you know, I, I always wonder what are fans doing going to these games in Charlotte. And some of these other places. I, I'm glad they're coming. They're, they're, they're going me. to see the visiting coming. team, whoever superstars coming from that. Maybe team. so. Maybe <laughs> so. Or it's a night out with your family, right. whatever. I get it, you know. And especially if the tickets are with your corporate spots or whatever, your company you work for. Uh, it's hard. First of all, it's hard partly because uh, you may not have that same goal. You may want to be bad until you can win 55, 60. I think that's a silly way of doing it, but you're, you're allowed your opinion. Um, and so. Uh, but so I don't think management and coaches are always on the same page with what what's required of that. Uh, I don't think most coaches really good at what they do. Uh, they're not able to build uh, that us against them mentality, which I think every good team has. There's an edge about the way you play. 
um, there is a, 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 a common goal and a collective goal that I think is super valuable because uh, this is a business. And so what I always tell players is the more you win, the better chance you get to get paid. It's as simple as that. And so let's win. Yeah. And it's hard to get guys. This is really hard. Hard to get guys to buy into the us versus me mentality. Um, I was watching, and, and we've said good things about him on the show. I was watching Cam Thomas this morning against Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. They just played the Warriors, yep. didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was against Steph Curry. And I was just shocked at what a bad defender he was. <laughs> I told you. In terms of fundamentals, yeah. I mean, this is not the average, the average fan would understand this, but I'm telling you where he was. So so let me, let me just give you a 30-second thing on defense. Everything starts at the starting point. I call it starting position. So if you took a snapshot, I did this when I was a coach many years ago, where we would, we would start the possession. This is in practice. Everyone stop. This is, these are ninth and 10th graders, or I also did our varsity who are very good juniors and seniors, you know, a lot of college bound players. Okay, where are we at? Here's the ball. There's the rim. Here's your man. Where are you? You're already starting three steps off where you should be. If we're going to be fucked up at the start of the possession, I don't like where this possession is going potentially. Okay, starting position is everything. And that means both uh, uh, vertically in the full court, starting position when the ball is first entered, if we're pressing, down, compressed into that half court, and then quarter court. Where do you start? Where are you defensively in starting position? So Cam Thomas, now, it ain't easy guarding Steph Curry. Don't get me wrong. We flip the script a lot of times with, with him because he's so good. But his starting position was just really bad. So my point is this. You're just not going to win. You're not going to be on a team that wins 50 games when a key guy for you doesn't even know how to begin to guard guys. You've got to coach that up. And maybe I'm not at all saying they're not trying. I don't know. Uh, Jock Vaughn, I think, knows how to play coach defense. I do. He had a good business himself as a college player, not to mention the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not happening for Cam Thomas. Mm-hmm. He has to value it more. It has to matter more. And uh, you have to get guys willing to let their man score because they're helping your man. And they have to just trust that someone's going to take my guy. You have to get them to buy into that. You have to get them to buy into passing up that shot you want for this guy. He's more open. And there's so much involved, including ego. There is the ego. I, I, was, I was watching a really good player this year uh, a lot early in the season. And if he had a good first quarter, you could almost guarantee he wasn't going to have a good second half. Mm. Because his teammates were like, well, he got his in the first half. It's my turn. By the way, that's, that's it. That's a pandemic in the G League. That's an epidemic in the G League. It's very hard to have great, great games uh, on some of these teams. You do well in the first half. All your teammates who think they have to score to get promoted, they just, they just, they're going to look you off unless they have no choice. They'll throw it to you once in a while instead of more commonly. It's a huge issue. We have to coach that up stronger. And, um, and to be a team that can win 50 games or so a year, you better have some depth because you're going to have some bad luck. Guys get hurt. You know? Yeah. It's hard to do. That's why if you can do it, you're good for a while because – you figure that out, you're always going to be kind of in contention. One of the teams that, you know, in direct opposition to Charlotte, who's been able to do that, but who was a franchise, David, who was in the doldrums for a long time, we've sung their praises and turning it around lately is the Knicks, right? Now, and we have our beef with Thibodeau as a coach and playing as guys too many minutes, but they have an identity. They they buy into all the things you talk about, starting position on defense, like we care about, like, and look, they're 32 and 18 right now, something like that. I mean, they're, they're going to win. They're a good amount possibly 50 um they look great like and they're now on a trajectory where look this is a team that what about championship knicks fans i know for a fact are happy this is a team that every year we're making the playoffs like 
The city's going nuts with them. Like, this is what you want. And it seemingly didn't take them that long to turn around, right? Because besides Jalen Brunson, and he's not a, he is not, your grandmother doesn't know who Jalen Brunson is, right? He's not one of those level NBA stars, but he's a very good player and they have excellent role players around them. And look, it, it works. So I'm like, if the Knicks can do it, I'm sure other teams can figure it out. You know, uh, a long time ago, I didn't even know if my kids were born yet. I, I got my first nice car, and I it was a Jaguar. I did not know anything about anything other than I got a good lease. I think I leased the first one. I got a good deal. And it was a, I needed to drive a nice car for the b- business that I had, I thought anyway. And um, I was in my 30s, and my dad saw it. He's like, oh, I hate you. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, what do you mean, dad? He's like, that's always been my dream car. I said, why? It used to be a terrible car. Ford bought it. Yeah. And it, it, I, I owned a Jaguar for seven years. Not a single problem ever. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I really, really loved it. And I he said, yeah, but I just, it, it meant something and I just never could afford it. And I said, but he was happy for me. And I say this story for a reason. Uh, I, if, if I ever came home, I, I, drive, a, I drive a nice Mercedes. And my, my son or daughter said, Dad, what about the Bentley? I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> That's how I feel about But you, you can't say that to fans who are upset. You only made the second round of the playoffs every year. <laughs> but I want to say, get out of my house. <laughs> like, can't you be happy with what we're doing? We all can't drive Maybox, all right? Correct. The only one champion. Uh, I love what the Knicks are doing. And if it only means that they get disappointed in the second round every year for the next five so years, <laughs> it's it, too bad. But boy, you've had a hell. Hopefully, they don't get swept because mm-hmm. that would suck. Right. But if you lose in seven or six, it means at least two times, if not three, you had nice wins. Yeah, like those are those are memorable things. You you have like my son and I went to a Rays playoff game once. We still can talk about it. You know that those things yeah. matter. Me and my dad too. Uh, when he was alive, we would talk about the Chiefs game. We won three nothing in '79. <laughs> I was 14 years old. Uh, yeah, it was the first ever, you know, big big win. Uh, uh, this just it frustrates me that we because honestly, I don't think Knicks fan. I think they'll be just fine if they get disappointed in the next four or five years. They'll bitch and moan. That's fine, right. but they'll show up. Sure will. They'll show up because more often than not, they're going to win that game. And I think when you talk about identity, uh, I heard uh, I heard a coach say Lloyd Pierce was talking the other day for the Pacers. He was talking about how we got to play with more force. They have to feel us. He said this. Um, they're, they're not. They're playing the Rockets. The Rockets smoked them in the first half. I was actually watching Jabari Smith, mm. who did really well in that game. I love. I still think he can be better than Paolo. Nice. Paolo does not deserve to be an All Star. To be fair, he's just he and Scotty Barnes were young, so they need some new blood. But they're not one of the best 12, 13, right. 14 players in the East. But Jabari Smith has a chance. So I'm watching that game. I see Lloyd Pierce, Lloyd Pierce, Lloyd Pierce interviewed. They got to feel us more. And what he's saying, we're not playing with a force. Well, the Knicks play with force. Sure do. That is not something Tom normally has to preach much anymore. He's preached it enough. And they're, and they're bringing players in that play with force already. Mm-hmm. Brunson plays with force. OG plays with force. Randall plays with force. Mitchell Robinson not even there right now. Uh, DiVincenzo yep. has been mm-hmm. abs- – I mean, I listen, I liked him years ago when he At first – I think went to Golden State. Yeah. I thought he could be an answer. Um, he was good at Milwaukee. Um uh, I think it was in Sacramento too. It's been a while for me now. Maybe. He, am I wrong? Maybe. I've just gone blank on all the places he's been, but like he's been playing really well there. And so I don't think he plays with so much force, but the other guys do, and that allows him to shine. Uh, 
I think if the Knicks can win, I think, first of all, the Knicks can get all the way up to potentially a two seed. I think so. I think you're right. Right? Milwaukee's struggling. Buddy Hill's not going to answer Philly's problems, right. I don't think. And Beat will. But yeah, so if they're a two seed and they get smoked by Boston in the finals, it's a great year in New York. Yeah. And now you're all fired about the offseason mm-hmm. and, and every transaction is more of a big deal. And, and every pick you have is more of a big deal. Right. You've created a more sensitive issue. It's positive for everyone. They care more about everything you're doing. I think that's the mission. It's not just win a championship. I don't agree with that. I'm but with you. I know other people feel different. No, I mean, it's like we say all the time. You have to be very good and you need luck. And only one team does it every year. Like, it's just, it's 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 hard, right? And odds are it's probably not going to happen for your franchise, right? But again, if you're consistent, man, how much more fun is that? I know Nick fans yeah. are happy now. Well, so so Harvey Panic with teaching golf, I've said this to you before probably. Uh, he's When he teaches, when he taught putting, he said, you got to give luck a chance to happen. So he thought the pace of the putt was more important than the line, mm-hmm. which is hard to read anyway. Mm-hmm. But they're both hard to read. He felt like if you smash it, you're going to get lucky far less often than you would if you get the pace right. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's where I came up with my coaching philosophy of give luck a chance to happen. Let's get to, let's get to 50 wins we, because our roster is 12 deep and we can earn it. Our coach is great and our identity is great. And let's give luck a chance to happen because all of a sudden a third-year player breaks out or we can we can acquire the mm-hmm. perfect guy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for what we need for not a lot because of where he was before. Uh, I, you give luck that chance to happen. Uh, I, there's no way Dallas should have beat LeBron. Agreed. But LeBron lost his mind. He just lost his confidence. He lost his swagger. And the Mavericks won their one championship, mm-hmm. right? Don't apologize for that. Yep. The Raptors had no chance to beat Golden State, none. Mm-hmm. But they got there, and then all the injuries happened, and it took six games. But who cares? They got a ring and trophy and the whole thing. Yeah, uh, give luck a chance to happen. Uh, yeah, they were a great team. Yep, they gave luck a chance to happen, and it worked out. I like it. Uh, speaking of the Knicks, um, Alec Burks is going back to New York. Um, they're sending Quentin Grimes out and two future second round picks. So that's interesting. Um, again, uh, I don't think a huge needle mover, but just something, something in there. I like Grimes. He's younger, and I thought you know could do some things. And then that was Detroit. Yeah, they traded with Detroit. Yeah, people of all the different trades, people are speculating that was one that 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 I've read that actually has happened uh, because it, the other trades no one had been talking about. Um, that's why I thought Detroit wasn't celebrating last night because <laughs> they knew you're like they, they all they, felt like they know, and and I think the Knicks are also looking to get Boyan uh, Bogdanovich as well um to, to to come over all right guys we'll be back after a brief commercial break <clears throat> all right david you know you said buddy heels not going to matter for the for the 76ers or he, he won't matter as much until this the biggest domino figures itself and that's joel and beat we talked about him on monday at the time there was no reporting out about how long it took uh based on stuff that i researched meniscus surgery anywhere from three to six months what is being reported now is he'll be reevaluated in four weeks. And I want to be very clear to people what that means. Reevaluated means exactly what it says. Reevaluated. He's not playing in four weeks. After the, he's had the surgery earlier this week. They're going to check him out in, a, in four weeks, in a month, and see where he's at from there. Now, if all things are going well and progressing, he's going to start his recovery and ramp up process. David, I, even if at best case scenario, it's two months, and I think it'll be longer than that. You still, that's, that's a ton of time, right? Like, because now we're in April. Season ends April 15th. So, I mean, right? His first evaluation is March, March 6th. That's four weeks from when he got, got the surgery. Eight weeks is April 6th. Season ends April 15th. So, I mean, 
we're not talking about a whole lot of time for him to ramp up here and play and what's going to happen to Philly in that interim. You and I said it on Monday. I mean, they got blown out by the Warriors last night, uh, late. I, I don't know. And I, I don't think Buddy Heal fixes that. All right. So even if it turns out that he's made real progress in a month, um, and I don't think he's done any, I'm sure he'll start rehab before that. But um, I think anyway, he had the surgery, correct? Mm-hmm, yes. Already done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there is the question of, are you rushing him back? And why are you rushing yes. him back? That would be a gigantic mistake. I, I don't know why they're, they're, they're saying what they're saying. They have their own business to deal with and f- f- ticket sales and whatever. But um, yeah, it would be, it, they're really going to be uh, examined harshly if they bring him back too soon. I agree. He's just, I mean, it's Jokic has been the best player in the world. And then uh, MB decided, okay, I'm going to prove that I'm the best player in the world. And he has been, mm-hmm. he's just extraordinary. What he's doing is what he was doing is extraordinary. And um, it stinks what happened. They got to be thinking we got to protect this guy down the road. I agree. And um, and maybe maybe they feel like we're going to check Buddy out and get him some playing time for us. He's a free agent. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll convince him to stay here when Joel is here next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, this might be just a, the this could be just their way of selling to the fans. Like if they say he's going to be the rest of the season, it's going to be all hell, right? Catastrophe. So they're probably slow, yeah, they slow it. Gotta give him, gotta, gotta give him some hope. Still, like, okay, he'll be back in four weeks. We'll evaluate, see where we are. It's gotta use careful language. I get it. I get it. So, so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Um, the, I mentioned the Warriors uh, won last night, and Steve Kerr had some interesting comments um, in his post game presser. The guys who were here, they are incredibly an incredibly accomplished group. Of course, he's talking about Draymond, Steph, and and Clay. We've got some exciting young players, and we've got a good group. Every guy on our team has really overcome a lot individually this year. Taken out of the starting lineup, injuries to young players, guys have emerged through hard work and patience, and I've enjoyed coaching this team. It's a long haul, but I feel like this team could be something special. Now, is that just Steve doing the whole kumbaya, everything's great, we're starting to turn things around, everybody feel good ahead of the trade deadline, and blowing smoke, or is he actually serious here and think that this team could be something, in his words, special? So look at it from a, just a math point of view. What are the chances... Three percent, four percent, five percent. I'm glad he feels that way. I'm glad that he feels like what he's saying is I think Kaminga can really yes. continue this and do it in the postseason. The chances of that are low, but he looks good. I watched mm-hmm. him on tape this morning. Uh, uh, Pazemski is that how you say yeah, his yeah, name? I think so. Uh, Pods. He's a rookie. <laughs> yeah. Pods. Yeah, he's a rookie. So you know you're hoping Looney can, unless they trade him, which they could do today. Um, there's a, I like, I like the kid they got from Indiana, mm-hmm. but he's, he's a rookie too. And so to me, as, as you know, we've been writing about and talking about it, they should be trading as many people as they can and build around Kaminga. Um, but hell, if it turns out that they, they're just going to hopefully make the play in this year and then lose in the first round, but then come back next year, much stronger. Uh, great. If that's, if that's ultimately what you want to do, uh, uh, that's not the worst plan in the world, I don't think. Right. Um, you've lost one year of what three or four that Curry has to be this kind of player. Mm-hmm. So it's twenty five percent. If it's four years, it's you know down to three. Yep. Um, but it's not the end. Of, it's not close to being a terrible thing. Right. And, uh, and they've done it before. And you know, with winning a championship when the year before they were bad, mm-hmm. they were worse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm. I think I think he I think he's trying to be positive, but also. 
Uh, I, I'm not sure they've beaten some good teams in a long time yeah. much at right. all. Yeah. Maybe one. But um, they're making progress. We'll see. They play the Pacers tonight. Yeah, that, that'll, be, that'll be a nice test for them uh, with, with that pace. They're going to have a back-to-back. Um, also interesting of note, um, and not last, last night because they played the Sixers, but the game before, um, they played Brooklyn, and Clay sat closing out the game. Uh, Kerr, yeah. Kerr put him on the bench. And obviously a player as good as Clay has been and prideful, like, of course, that hurt him to be on the bench. And, you know, we talked about it after the game and it's like, you know, it hurts, but, you know, we, we won. That's what matters. I do wonder if, and Wiggins played well last night against um, the 76ers at 20, 20 and 10 game, which is the second one of the season. Um, maybe Clay gets moved for something. Who knows? Maybe something happens from a transaction standpoint that really signifies, all right, we got to move on from this, this core group of three, right? As much as we love them, this ain't it. You know, militarily and politically, uh, uh, over the over the course of human history, uh, people who have had big wins can then kind of make some concessions because they're populist. Their people are feeling good about themselves, as opposed to acting like you're desperate because it's desperate times. And so, the fact that they're playing well might give them the impetus to feel like they can win the press conference by saying, hey, we're looking good. Mm-hmm. We're making these tweaks. It may hurt us in the short term, but we'll be even better in the long term. And you don't look desperate. You look like it's strategy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that anyone would take Clay off their hands. I agree. I don't think they're going to trade Kaminga, and no, nor should no, they. definitely not. Yeah. No, he looks like a beast. and um, Or pods, for that matter. Right. And so probably they'll probably do nothing. <laughs> maybe they'll get – maybe they'll add a, a, you know, another center or something. They, you know, Looney could easily be traded to a team. Yep. Um, who might just need a new home now, whatever. Yeah. Um, last week when we did our drafting of contenders and we got to the West, neither one of us picked the Lakers or the Warriors, and I picked the New Orleans Pelicans. And I felt like last night when I texted in our group chat, this is exactly why. Because they had a nice win against the LA Clippers, arguably the hottest team in the league. Um, and Zion didn't even play that well. He played fine. Um, CJ was really good. Um, it was, it, it gave me some hope that, man, there's a t- another team that has assets that they can have draft capital. They can make a move and they're young enough and they've shown some stuff in the playoffs. This could be a team that you may not want to see come the postseason. What did you like from their win against the Clippers last night? I mean, you don't want to see them if they're playing like this. Uh, the first thing is they have three guys that can really break you down. Uh, CJ scored really well last night. Uh, he's not much of a facilitator, but he's an organizer. He's gotten better at that. Um, Brandon Ingram is having a career season and only too happy to pass the ball. I don't remember maybe six assists last night. Zion at 10 assists. Mm-hmm. Zion was happy. He did not finish great. Um, he's incredible and not playing incredibly. So can he get much better? Yeah. And that's where you get scared Yeah, because he's happy to facilitate. And it wasn't just drive and kick. Sometimes it was post, read, just throw it out, let them play. He wasn't in a rush. Uh, collectively, they play decent, if not good, defense most of the time. Valanciunas, I think, has struggled defensively, but their team, Dyson Daniels can really mm-hmm. guard. Yeah, he can. Uh, uh, Larry Nance has a role there. Trey Murphy can really shoot. He had three threes early on. I think at 11 and a half time, that was good. Um, Herb Jones defensively matters. They, you know, they just – no one's talking about him. No. But if Zion – the elasticity he has as a talent, he could really he could really get rolling, and then they could reel off 10, 12 straight wins. Yeah. They're 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 a force, and and Brandon we know is a super talented player. Yep. 
who can who can really carry an offense. Yeah, they. I, I like what I'm seeing from them. I kind of liked what they've been doing all season. They've they've been sort of hovering, David, like in that top end of uh, adjusted net rating. Right, they're 13th in offense and ninth in defense. They're just like, all right, we're 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 here. We're a good squad, and we saw what they did a couple of years ago in the postseason with just Herb Alvar- uh, Herb Alvarado, um, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, and that was really it. Right, no no yeah. Zion, no nothing, and they were a problem defense. And they're long. You don't, you know, I mean, what do you always say? The hardest thing to do in this league is score over length. They got nothing but length to throw at you. So this is, they're, they're a fun little squad to keep an eye on. All right, guys, uh, top five time. All right, David, who's in your five slot? I'm going to go number five, the Thunder. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little bit, a little disappointed in them recently, no. but uh, I don't like some of the other teams. So I'm going to. I'm going to put them at five. Uh, we, are, I think we're going to be so mind-melded this week. I have a strong feeling we might be exact. I also have the Thunder at five this week. All right, who's on your four line? Four for me. Oh, it's tough. It is tough. Because I, 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 I'm doing it as we speak. Just in, I, I was waiting to see if any team did a big trade while we were doing this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I got to go with the Knicks. Okay. Okay. I just really like their toughness considering the injuries they've had. And what they've done in Brunson's role yeah. right now, um, yeah, they've uh, they just really impressed me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give them respect and my boy Randy some respect. <laughs> um, I, I'm we, we I'm sure we flip flop because who I have at my four lines probably you're gonna have at three. I got the Cavaliers at four. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go Clippers. Oh, you dropped the Clippers because of the loss last night. All right, Knicks it. I, I yeah, they're good, yes. but yeah, I'm dropping them. Knicks at three yeah. for me. Okay. I've got the yeah, Cavs at two. At two. Mm-hmm. I went Clippers too. Yep. Are they fifteen and one last sixteen? Yes, I believe they are. That's. I mean, come That's, on. Listen, and now they got they got their guys back, Garland and Mobley back, and Donovan. I just I think he's a he's, tremendous he's player. Look, really. this team, David. Like, okay, so last year in the playoffs, they lost to the Knicks um, in the first round. They were they were, yeah, they were four seed, lost to the five yep. seed, right? I have to think this year as as they move up, and I'm gonna pull up the standings right now to see where they are at. The Cavaliers are currently second in the East. Uh, yep, they are five games behind Boston. Okay, I, I gotta feel like they have to feel we have to win a playoff round this year. Like if we don't win our series, yeah. it'll be disappointing for us, the Cavaliers, if we don't win a win a first round. Yeah, but if they can win fifty plus games, then it's a hell of a year. Which, but yeah, which I think they, they will. They, there's no reason. There's no reason why they can't win a first round series. Doesn't mean they will. Uh, uh, because the East has got a lot of good teams. And I still think it, we could get to a situation where um, number one is Boston and numbers two and three are Cleveland, New York, mm. Indiana, four, Ooh. Milwaukee, five. Who knows about Philly? Right. Like, I don't think it's likely, but I'm telling you, all, Indiana's got one of the easiest. I think they're 28th easiest schedule. They have the hardest schedule in January. I think the 28th easiest um, uh, in or third hardest. I mean, third easiest in February. Okay. So they got a tough game tonight against the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Knicks, I don't know when Randall's coming back. Yeah, not But they've a got a, a break coming up in a week, mm-hmm. week from today. Mm-hmm. Well, a week from yesterday, yeah. So um, the East still has a lot of churning left, I think. Yeah. Boston, I think no one's going to catch them. They're, they're five games clear of the second-place team. They, they look pretty good. Um, we mentioned the Tillman deal. I think it's going to be big for them managing Porzingis and Horford minutes because it's one thing Tillman can do. He'll eat up regular season minutes, and not just – he'll do it well. Like, he'll be good at it. He'll play good defense. Mm-hmm. He just – yeah, they, he's filling a need. You're just – he's insurance policy. And um, I think Boston's thinking, let's let's get ourselves 
a seven or eight game cushion on these other struggling Eastern teams yep. so that the last couple weeks of the season, we can really mm-hmm. rest up and come in rolling. Yeah, no, yeah. I-, I like it. Uh, last thing I'll say, David, so all-star break, what kind of advantage do you have as a, as a squad if you don't have any all-stars? And you're going to give your team a break, of course, right? So everybody's going to go Thursday's the last game. You're going to let them be off till I don't know, Monday or Tuesday, Tuesday probably. Some of them are done like you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. So they're going to have a nice Wednesday. little break. But a team like New Orleans yeah. that we just talked about, no one's going to all-star weekend. I feel like that that week could be a nice little like mini training camp to kind of get ourselves back together and you know kick off. I don't know about yeah, they won't do training camp. It'll be um, it'll be uh, go. I, I always tell the players go to the sun, mm-hmm. go get warm. A lot of them have you know from cold weather climates. They want to go see parents mm-hmm. and family. I get it, but they, you should be taking them to a place that's sunny. Uh, the sun is good for you. Sure is. And they're cold all the time. <laughs> it's cold everywhere. In, not here, but in most places. Um, and then they all have to be back. Everyone I've talked to said uh, Tuesday night practice. Okay. Tuesday night practice. So they'll practice Tuesday night. They'll practice Wednesday. And most people some play Thursday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. I believe that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some teams may play that Wednesday. Yeah, let me pull up the schedule right It now. might be possibly play Wednesday, which means they'll play back Monday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. There might be some games that Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it, they'll have a nice break. Yeah. No, it'll, it'll, it'll be a nice break. I just, you know, I'm always looking at can these guys, ooh, Thursday, actually, that's the first night. So that Thursday's for everybody. Okay. That's, the, that's, so a that's a nice why, break. That's why everyone's told me Tuesday mm-hmm. night. That's why. Okay. That makes sense. So you can do a little like two game, like two, two practice, like Tuesday, Wednesday. You can kind of really get a, get a nice two days of practice in, which, I mean, that's a lot of practice time because those guys don't practice normally anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these guys will find a gym too before that. Most of them will. Uh, I need a break. <laughs> I'm looking forward to not having to watch anything, but maybe a couple of college games. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I'll be back. Uh, yeah, we'll probably do. Yeah, we'll, we, I won't be doing the show on that thir- that Thursday next week. No, you will not. <laughs> or or that following Monday. For that you'll, you'll, we're talk to Henry. No, we, we are. Don't worry, we will be fine in your absence. <laughs> I know you, you enjoy the yeah. sphere. Enjoy uh, Bono. Tell him I said hello. <laughs> Um, no, it should be a really good show. And then I know you like Vegas. There's like good restaurants there and stuff. And you're yeah. just doing YouTube. You're going to see some other shows too while you're there. I don't know. We have, we have a lot of plans, mm. plans, schemes, a lot of <laughs> stuff going <laughs> on. And, and it's my birthday. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be yeah. a, a big, a big to do. <laughs> All right, yeah. guys. Yeah. We got some stuff going on here too. So, but I'll be on the show Monday. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mondays, we don't, yeah. all-star break doesn't start on Monday. So we'll see you guys right, on thanks. Monday, guys. Uh, have a good weekend. Take care.